Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5, Term 1. This is Lesson 3. We are in Chapter 17, and uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. We were on page 4. Just to get us there very quickly, what I want to do is go back and just read a few verses. Beginning in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, and it says, And he went up on a mountain and called to himself those he himself wanted. And they came to him. I want you to notice that it says that he called to him those he himself wanted. So these are the people that Jesus himself chose. It says, And they came to him and he appointed twelve. Now, remember again that we, we looked at uh, the, uh, Luke's account as well, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Where it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out onto a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So we found that Jesus prayed before he called the twelve. And that's why we went on on page 3 to look at Luke 6.13. And it says, And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Now... We looked at disciples and apostles last time, so we're going to move on. I want to um, reread the Spirit-Filled Life Bible at the bottom of page 4. The purpose of the appointment is that they might be with Him in order to learn from Him and then go out in divine power to extend His work. Now, let's move on. That's the reason why it goes in the say in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Uh, then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Alright, so as much as the disciples had already enjoyed a close personal relationship with him, he wanted them to actually be with him and spend time seeing and hearing him and learning whatever it was he wished to teach them. It was time for a more intense and detailed spiritual education. So that's the reason why it says then he appointed twelve that they might be with him so that they could really gain some insight into how he worked. And also, I believe, I don't, you know, I don't think it was just the operation, how he did things, but I think it also was really important, his manners, when he did things. You know, that he was kind. Because all they had seen was the religious leaders of their time. They'd seen the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and from what Jesus says about them, they were very bad people. <laughs> you know? they, didn't, they didn't treat people well. And so that's the reason why Jesus says, you know, uh, you have heard it was said. We're going to look at all of that, by the way, because that's the very next thing he's going to do, is he's going to teach them. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know we already did that in the past, but the reason I want to go back over it is because I've actually put in Luke's account as well, which we didn't do uh, in the previous Sermon on the Mount. We only did Matthew's account. And what you're going to do in putting in Luke's account, we're going to realize that uh, the reason there were two different accounts, and I didn't give you both on, on purpose because it would have been too confusing. Uh, but now because we're looking at the life of Jesus, I'm going to show you everything. <laughs> okay? uh, what you'll find and what we're going to find is that Matthew's account was aimed at the Jews. And Luke's account was aimed at the Gentiles, but you need both. And if you want one account, you should go with the, the, the Jewish version, not for any other reason, but because it is more spiritual and we are a spiritual race now. Okay, but because at the time Luke was writing to people that didn't know about God and you know, they were outside the covenant of God, uh, we take for granted that we have a Bible and we can read it. You know, the Gentiles didn't have a Bible they could read. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they didn't know any of the Old Testament stories and everything else. So a lot of the things that Jesus said, Luke translated it so that people that had absolutely no contact 
with the Word of God and no contact with any of the past things that God had said could, could sort of take and, and appropriate that teaching into their life. Do you understand? But as they grew more spiritual, then they would want more and more of what Jesus said or what Matthew said uh, when he was dealing with the spiritual aspects of it. Are you all here? Amen. So when we get to that, we will be looking at both. Just so that you can have a comparison, I won't spend a lot of time on uh, Matthew's account, but I will spend some time on Luke's account because you haven't heard that one. Okay, so anyway, let's go back to this. So he is going to be teaching them, and he's going to need to do that very soon. And this is also one of the reasons why he chose the twelve, because he wanted to call them around and start teaching them. Amen. That's why, you know, some people think the Sermon on the Mount was for everybody. It wasn't. Everybody joined them later, <laughs> okay? But they crashed the party, okay? It wasn't meant to be for everybody. It was meant to be for his disciples. But as more and more people come up, then he starts to change. You'll find that the message changed towards the end to a more general message when he's talking about building your house and everything else. It became more general, but right at the beginning, it was, you know, he's talking about, you have heard that it has been said, and then he goes through about, you know, murder and adultery and all these sort of really heavy things, which you normally wouldn't do with a big crowd, if you know what I mean. That was for them. All right, so what we're learning from all of this again is that when it says here, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, uh, it's talking about having a close personal relationship again with him. And so that they can actually begin to learn from him how to conduct themselves, how to behave themselves, and also what to expect when they pray. When they start ministering to people, he really wanted them to see all of it close up. All right, and that is what was about to take place, uh, like I said again, when, he was, uh, when he'll be teaching the Sermon on the Mount, which I said, which was going to forever change everything about them. It was going to be something outstanding. It was going to be something so extraordinary that their whole way of thinking and their whole life would change. And hasn't that been the effect for the whole body of Christ? Amen? That we all change <laughs> when we came in. Now the whole point of him wanting them to be with him and learn from him was so that he could send them out to preach. Hendrickson says, Receivers must become givers. Disciples must become apostles. I really like that. You know, there, there is a time when you start, uh, everything that you've taken in, then you start to be a blessing to them. As much as you've learned, then you can teach them as well and help them to grow. Remember again that the one big thing in the Bible, and, uh, which I keep coming back to, and I gain more and more revelation every time I look at it. It's quite interesting. Is, you know, when God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know, and you start thinking about this and you think, what else don't we know? Amen. You know, seriously, you know, you look at things in our life and you think, okay, certain things are not working. We think they should work a certain way and they're not working. You know, and I was, I was talking to God about that. I thought, God, is it faith? Is it, what is it? You know, why are some things not quite working the way they should? And you know what? That verse came up. He, I told you, God talks through his word, you know. And he said, he said, you still don't know some things. I said, really? <laughs> Not that that's a big surprise. Amen. <laughs> okay, I, I, I know I've got a long way to go. But isn't it interesting, instead of making excuses for why things aren't working, hello, we should be looking for where in the Word is it that gives us the answer to why it isn't working. Amen. And so, you know, I just think, okay, if it ain't working, stop blaming all sorts of things and let's go back and look some more. Maybe we missed something. In fact, I'm sure we've missed things. When I find out, you'll be the first to know. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, because we are believing for some really big miracles as well. Amen? 
And, uh, you know, we, we don't want for things to fall apart for a lack of knowledge that we just didn't know. Okay. So getting back to this, accordingly, they would be sent first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then as they gain confidence to all the nations and all the world. So that's, that was there, and I've given you scriptures for all of that. Again, you know, I like that. The first time I read that, I thought, Jesus, are you making a distinction between Jews and Gentiles? Because you said there weren't any distinctions. And, and he said, no, I wasn't. He said, I was just helping out my disciples not get trampled underfoot. Isn't God wonderful? Because he said it was, it's easier to minister to the Jews to begin with because they kind of half know what you're talking about than to Gentiles who have absolutely no idea. That is very hard to do. Do you understand? And then I began to realize, see, everybody preaches that differently. Everybody preaches and says, see, he sent you know, them to the house of Israel first because God favors the house of Israel. Are you beginning to understand? You know, because you sometimes have to just get real. Can we just get real? If I was going to send you out, I wouldn't send you out to a place, you know, I don't want to make, it, make mention of any names, but to a place, a suburb, that has, you know, foreign religions in there and get you to save people that are very radical about certain other religions. Can I say it like that and be careful? Okay. That would be terrible. You all get burnt out and go home. You'll never come back. Are you all here? What I would do is, <laughs> I'm training you up, you know, baby steps. The first thing I'll do is look for the Bible Belt, you know, some area that, that a lot of people have heard the word, and, you know, and I'll sort of send you out to places where people kind of know the Bible and are not so opposed to Christianity. Are you all here? Amen. And I truly believe that's why Jesus did it. It wasn't because he favored the Jews. It was simply because they would be a little bit more receptive. And these little guys have just got their training wheels. They don't know what all to do. You know, so, you know? so rather than just go crash and burn somewhere. Because remember, I mean, as you look later on, a lot of things happened to, you know, not many. Only one disciple survived, basically, was John. Think about this. So you don't want to send your 12 and only one come back. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? Alright. Um, so that's truly why I believe that he did this. Because it says that after that he sent them to all the nations. Once they got their, their feet, he said, alright, you guys know what you're doing, now go. Go everywhere and preach to everyone now. You're able to do that. Amen? It's also a really good advice for people that are starting out mission fields and you know, send, you know, doing this kind of evangelism is just be careful where you send your, your little people because, I mean, they might get just destroyed out there. Amen. Amen. I'm talking from experience. Anyway, in fact, in time to come, God would go on to call and commission more apostles beyond just the 12 as brought out in such scriptures as Acts 14.14 14, where Barnabas and Paul are listed as apostles and in Galatians 1.19 where James, the brother of Jesus, is listed as an apostle with the scriptures often implying that there were many others, especially in the light of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-13, through 13, and he himself gave some to be apostles. Amen? Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, <clears throat> for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Has that happened yet? The answer is no. Just it's not a trick question, okay? Which tells us something then that he hasn't stopped 
giving apostles and prophets and evangelists. Because people say, well, that passed away. That can only pass away if we all come to this full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. I think we're not there yet. I'm just taking a wild stab at it, but <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, you know. Uh, some Christians you meet, dear God, they're the furthest thing from it. So, you know, again, Jesus gives, and this is, when it says He, it is actually talking about Jesus Christ in context. He, that he actually says that He gave some apostles, and He continues to give apostles. But the reason they use the word some isn't because He gave them to begin with and not after that. It talks about, even today, not everyone is an apostle. Do you understand? Not everyone is a prophet, not everyone is an evangelist, and so on and so forth. And so we need to always understand that. All right, in other words, even today the Lord will continue to call and commission not just apostles, but also prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers until we are all united in our faith and perfectly reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, returning back to Mark chapter 3, reading in verse 14. But this time we'll continue on to verse 15. So it says there again, Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him. So now we understand now what that means. And that he might send them out to preach. Okay? So we see now something else. That he might send them out to preach. And then watch verse 15. And to have power to heal sickness. Or as Matthew 10.1, which is a parallel account, puts it to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And to cast out demons. Wow. Okay. So, that brings us to the third thing that he appointed the twelve to do. And that is to have power to heal sickness, sicknesses, whether they were heard of or unheard of, curable or incurable. Or as Matthew fully explains it in Matthew 10, 1, I'll talk to you about this in just a minute. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, that we know also as apostles now. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So let's just stop there for just one second. I want to get to John MacArthur's quote. It's very good. But let me just uh, take a moment here. The reason that we are to walk by faith and not by sight, okay, you all know that scripture, is because there are some things you look at and you think, dear God, I don't think I can do anything with that. In fact, should I even put my hand on that? You know, okay? Can I be real? You know, this is just us, okay? Uh, when you look at the apostles and when you look at the disciples and stuff, they're not superhumans. They didn't come with little capes attached. You know that's true about Judas, right? Okay, all right? They were just ordinary people. They had some interesting personalities. We're going to find out when we uh, we'll, we'll look at the... The next section uh, over the page is the 12 named, and we're going to look at each one of them. Because I didn't want it to be boring. So I thought I'd give you a little synopsis of each one of them, okay? Uh, some key characteristics about them that I think you might find interesting. But the thing is that these were just normal people. Some with attitudes, some with hang-ups. You know, they, they all had situations in their life that you know, didn't make them perfect at all. So you understand that <clears throat> when it says that he gave them power over you know, all of these things, regardless of what it was, it was so that they understood that they did not need to know the name of it. They didn't need to... See, so, so much time people ask a lot of questions about, oh, what is this and when did it start? And Nobody really cares. The only time Jesus does this, and we'll look at this account when we get to it, is when he deals with that lunatic boy and the father is going, you know, your, 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 your disciples try to heal him, nothing happened, you know. <laughs> you remember that situation? And he starts talking to him, said, how long has he had this condition, blah, blah, blah. He was doing that for a reason. Because he was trying to get the father's mind off, it can't be done. That's 
kind of a thing. But generally, getting back to this, you don't need to ask a lot of questions unless, you know, the person wants to tell you what it is. I find a lot of people want to tell you the whole story. You know, it's like the woman with the issue of blood, and she told him all that had happened. You know what I mean? Remember, Jairus is going, hurry up, lady. My daughter's dying, you know, and hurry up with your story. <laughs> okay? And, and you know, uh, and we won't go there because that's another story in itself. But the thing was that you don't need to know, because it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. And one of the things it says, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And what's absent from that... Is, and they will lay hands on the sickness that they have been told that it was. And they have identified it to be that sickness. And because they know that sickness, and because it's probably curable, they lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's what we read. You know, we don't, but we just think about all of that stuff when we read that. I love it that it doesn't say any of that stuff. It says, if the person's sick, lay hands, whatever it is, Curable, incurable, heard of, unheard of, the thing will go away. Isn't that incredible? That is the kind of faith we need to get to. We need to get to the place of faith. See, remember you can have what you say. You all remember that? Okay. Whatever you confess into your life, you can have. You know, and I used to keep thinking, oh God, you know, it'd be so good if... One day he said to me, why don't you do exactly that? And so one of the things that I started to do was I started to confess. I said, God, I want to have, and I can do this too. I want to have faith like the Roman centurion. Because the dude wasn't a Jew, you know. He was a Gentile, you know. He was out there killing and everything. And he had more faith than everybody else in Israel. I thought that was extraordinary. And I thought, why not? Why don't I ask for that? I'm just going to start confessing from now on. You know, it might take a little time, but you can have it. I started confessing and I've, it's, it's sort of been my confession now. Thank you God that I've got that kind of faith. I've got faith like Jesus hadn't seen before. You know, like really that, that, that great faith. Because I realized something and these signs will follow those who believe. If you have great faith, you've got big signs following you. And I thought, well, that's all I need. I just need to confess that one thing and then let God go and do everything that's needed for me to get to that place. Because that's what I said to him. God, I said, I don't know how me just saying, oh, thank you, God, I have great faith is going to get me anywhere. Because I'm just, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? And he said, you don't get how that works. I said, well, tell me. And he showed it to me. He said, you start saying that. And he said, you start getting a hunger for the things that you need in order to walk in that kind of great faith. Do you understand? And one of those things was to get a revelation of my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Get it? So that if you are not getting to great faith, maybe there's still something you don't know. You all with me? Amen? So, you know, what you, you, you just speak the end result, God will take you on the journey. God will make sure whatever needs to come into your life comes into your life in order for you to get to that place. Hallelujah. Okay, so I, I believe that's what the disciples need to learn. They just thought, you know, Jesus never asked somebody, except for that situation, like I said, Jesus, you know, when it says they brought them all the sick to him, and he just healed them, which means he didn't care. He, to have a conversation with someone, it would take a long time. Because we have such a little church, I allow that by the way. But there will come a time when, you know, things, when, when we get to a place that there will be so many people, I won't have time to talk to every single person. Otherwise, nobody will get home. Absolutely. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. 
<coughs> and um, I've, I've learned to, to handle situation based on the situation itself. You know, you can't be saying, well, you know, when we have a big ministry, I can't be doing this, and so I won't do it now. Don't do that. You'll never have a big ministry. The way to get there is to take care of what's in front of you. And then people will understand when you don't have time. What they don't understand is when you do have time, you're not spending with them. You're with me? You know, and so some people have this mentality of, no, 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 you know, we have to set certain precedents now. It's like, stop it, don't do that. Amen? You, you deal with the situation based on where you are, what's going on, and so that people will understand. I do that with my kids as well. And you know what? Whenever I can't do something for them, they immediately know why. They don't even ask the question because they know every time I can, I will. Are you all with me? If I can't, then they know there's a good reason. And I always tell them what it is, you know, whether it's right then or some other time. But, you know, otherwise you get kids going, oh, you never spend time with me, what is it? You know, and you really don't have the moment right now to talk about that. That's a very big conversation. <laughs> I'm trying to say, amen? Amen. Okay, let's get back. To, I'm, I'm getting off track a little bit and talking about other things. Anyway, hopefully you get something from that. Getting back to this. John MacArthur now writes, let me get to this quote, Jesus delegates his power to the apostles to show clearly that he and his kingdom were sovereign over the physical and spiritual realms, the effects of sin, and the efforts of Satan. This display of power was unheard of, never before seen in all redemptive history. Okay, so this is really interesting. That's what you've been given. Can we just stop here for a second? I don't want you to read this and go, wow, you know, them, you know, them apostles, and you see little, you know, their caves fluttering in the wind, you know, and it's like, wow, we'll never be that. Because that's what the church did. That's what the leaders did. They put those apostles and those people so far up, nobody could reach their standard. Can I give you a secret? Not even them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm trying to say? You know, I mean, it was... Th- those were just people. Amen. Right down to the Apostle Paul, you know? And that's the reason why, you know, when you look at the Gospels and you look at the Epistles, you really need to read them with that in mind. Because there are times when they'll make... See, they record everything. What you need to do is work out when something that was recorded, whether that was the right thing or the wrong thing to do. Don't just assume it was the right thing. It was just recorded. It just was like, we'll tell you everything so you can learn from what they did right and from what they did wrong. And please don't look at what they did wrong and think, oh, they did that, so I can do that. No, go and see what happened at the end. If it was a bad ending, don't do that. (laughs) Amen? Even if they're an apostle or anything. And we're going to see things like that with the Apostle Peter, for example. You know, one, one minute he was eating with the Gentiles, and then suddenly, he, you know, because the, the, the Jews are putting pressure on him, he suddenly stops eating with the Gentiles, and he's like, well, pork, I don't touch pork. And two days before that, he's eating a plate of pork and loving it. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly, oh, no, no, I don't touch that unclean thing. And Paul had to go and correct him over all of that stuff. Okay, I think, I think Galatians deals with all of that. But, but the thing is that, see, they were all just people. They had their good days, they had their bad days. Amen? And so if you allow that, then you can allow yourself to make mistakes and have a failure or two. And as, you know, as I've said, uh, even to one of my kids, I said, just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. It's when you stop trying, that's when you fail. That's when you become a failure. Amen? Let's continue on here. 
And that included the fourth and final thing, excuse me, I was in the middle of this, that he appointed the twelve to do, and that was to cast out demons. So notice the, the, the four things here. I'm, I want to take you back to the top of the page in Mark uh, chapter 3, verse 14. So it says he appointed the twelve, number one, that they might be with him, Number two, that, they might, that he might send them out to preach. Number three, to have power to heal sickness. And number four, to cast out demons. Can you see those four things? Okay. Alright, so again we see that Jesus appointed them with authority, with the right and the power. Authority is the right and the power. It is the right and the power. Do you all understand what that means? Let, let me give you a quick I- illustration here. A policeman. Okay. He has the right to put up his hand and stop a car. Now, let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question. Who's got more power, the car or the policeman? Think about it. The car has more power. It can run the cop over. Okay? So he's got the right, but not the power. Now, you take that same policeman and you stick him in a tank. Are you all with me? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) right? With his left hand on the trigger finger, you know, with the big barrel coming out that shoots bombs out. If you stick him with the tank in the middle of a road, and now a car is coming and he puts his hand up, and the car decides it doesn't want to stop, he pushes the button and launches out a missile and blows the car up. Now he's got the right and the power. Are you all with me? Okay, so, okay, you need to see this, because what happens is a lot of times, you know, people translate a, a certain word to just mean the right. Sweetheart, if you don't have the power, you, you are like that policeman coming up against the car, and you know if that car doesn't want to stop. If that person says, my car, my car is bigger than you, I will run you down, and nobody will know, because <laughs> I'll make sure you're dead before I leave. You know what I'm trying to say? So even though he has the right, he doesn't have the power. But understand, when God gave you the authority, He gave you the power to go with it. So you need to know that you, if you say to a demon, you know, be thou removed or be thou cast out or whatever, and it doesn't listen to you, that there is a power within you, not only that, but a power around you. Remember you have angels, you have God Himself, but remember you also have an armor. Do you know that armor? That I don't know if you remember the series on spiritual, the spiritual armor we did, but that was the armor that was also brought out in the Old Testament, and it says that that was God's own armor that He used that has no flaws in it. And He gave you His armor to put on. So the only flaw is you. <laughs> okay? The armor will stand up to anything until you turn around and run in the opposite direction. Then we have a problem. Okay, amen? So what you need to understand, and this is when you, it's because we don't understand that we have not just the right, but the power as well. And that's what it means to have authority. That God has not only said, when you speak, a mountain will move, but if you speak and there's a demon attached to it, if it tries to come against you, there is a power that will go to work that will take care of that thing. Amen? And we need to know that. To conclude, the Full Life Study Bible says that In coming to earth, Jesus' purpose was to destroy the works of the devil and set at liberty those who were oppressed by Satan and sin. Inherent in this purpose was the power and authority he gave his followers to continue his battle against the forces of darkness. Do you see that? 
the power and authority that he gave his followers to continue his battle against the forces of darkness. This truth is verified by the following observations. First, it is recorded that after Jesus appointed the twelve disciples, he gave them power to cast out devils. That's in Mark 3.15 and Matthew 10.1. Also, after he appointed the seventy, he gave them power over all the power of the enemy. That's in Luke 10.17-19. to Second, the disciples were not only to go forth and preach, but also to manifest the kingdom's rule, power, and authority by doing battle against Satan, casting out demons, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Third, Mark teaches that Jesus, after his resurrection, re-emphasized to his followers their task of preaching the gospel and their authority over Satan and his demons. I love that. There's so much said in there. Amen. Um, What we'll do is we'll take a break now. And when we come back, um, if you want, I'll go back over that and minister it in a little bit more detail. Or we'll move on to the 12 named. It's up to you. You let me know. All right. Take a break.